Hello, my name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia. And this is a special message that I am giving to impart a vision of what God is desiring in local assemblies around the world in this very urgent hour. I don't have anything prepared here. I'm just going to speak from my heart what God has put in my heart to say, and it is what God is desiring to do in these last days. We know we are living in a time of great crisis. And before I get into sharing all about this and this vision, I do want to point out that even in my own life, there is some serious difficult circumstances I find myself in, but I'm not going to mention anything about that until the very end of this video, probably the last eighth or possibly even the last quarter of the video. So if you want to find out about that, you'll have to go to the very last part of the video, between a quarter and an eighth, to find that, which shouldn't be very hard to find. So what is what was I saying? I was saying... We're living in a time of very serious crisis, and I don't think I have to tell anyone that. Today is um, March the 15th of 2023. We know there's the danger of nuclear war, and there is such corruption that has crept in over the last 30 years that's come to a head in almost all our institutions. To the degree that it's, it's, it's almost surreal or hard to believe that there could be such madness and insanity that is rapidly resulting in the destruction of nations. Of course, here I am in Canada, and then there's the United States. What I want to share here is what God's answer is for this time of crisis. He is calling for his people to come forth, for his church to wake up. He is calling for something far more than revival. I've heard that word used so many times. So many people talk about revival, revival. Well, I'm not saying that's not good. That's great to have that desire for revival. But what God wants to do in this last hour is something far greater than revival. And I want to share this vision of what God wants. Not a vision I had or from an angel or a dream. The vision of what is revealed in his word for these last days. And I share these messages out of a heart set and a mindset of worship because it says worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What testifies to the reality of Jesus Christ is when we are worshiping God in great reverence and awe and love for God in great humility. Out of that flows the outpouring of the infilling of the spirit, the overflowing of the Holy Spirit and utterances that come forth beyond ourselves. So I'm praying that the words I speak here will touch your inner being, that they will be spirit in life. And so I want to share some real specifics of what God is desiring in your local assembly and in your lives for this hour. And this is to rally people around a vision to mobilize and to actually implement this under the leading of the Spirit of God in your life personally and corporately as a body. What I am sharing about is that God is calling for a new order in the churches across the United States and Canada and around the world in this time of such serious crisis. And I will explain in detail this new order briefly. But first of all, I want to emphasize that we are living in a time 
where the world and the vast multitudes of people are becoming disillusioned as they see all of the things they used to trust in crumbling before them. And the word of God says in Joel, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And we are living in that time. And for a church to just continue to be the church as it's always been and not change in an hour of such crisis is not going to be ready for bringing in this harvest. And so one of the things that requires this new order is to bring in the harvest of multitudes that may mature very quickly onto God's purpose, which is that we come to the fulfillment of John 17, or what is described in Ephesians, unto the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. In Revelations 14, we see two harvests that are described. Well, actually, one harvest and then a reaping of judgment. That first harvest is obviously the harvest of the last days of multitudes of souls coming into the kingdom of God. And then after that is the reaping of judgment where the blood goes up to the horse bridles. That chapter shows some general chronological events and how they will unfold. So there's first the ingathering of the harvest of souls and then judgment. But we also have three angels. And the first angel cries out with a message, Fear God and give glory to him. It says, I saw a mighty angel. And I don't remember. I don't, I'm not turning to it right now. But it says, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and so on. This is the message that is part of what I am sharing is a turning back to God that involves the genuine fear of God, which has been greatly lost in the body of Christ. And I do have in-depth teaching that I give, and actually I have a book I will probably eventually publish that is already, as far as the teaching, has already been written, but has to be put together and formatted sometime in the future. And I should also add at this time that I have written a book in regards to the church rising to this occasion to become all that God has called it to be and all that you as an individual has been called to become in this hour of urgency. And that book is titled Godheadship in Body Invasion, which you can get on Amazon. Now, I'd mind you, it's been there for about a year and a half, and I have hardly, well, I haven't even advertised it or told hardly anyone about it. But now is the time. Now, it's not going to show up with this background here probably properly, but it is green print, but I will show it on the Internet. It is around 350-plus pages, and... Um, I suppose at this time I will just point out that book before I go on with what I was sharing here about Revelations and that angel, the first angel. Here is the book, Godheadship and Body Invasion. Of course, I can bring it up further now. I have to minimize myself, which I will. And you can purchase this book on Amazon. It's over 250 some odd pages. This is the table of contents here. It's quite detailed table of contents into about, I think it's seven sections. Um, so that's what I want to share about here is mostly what is in this book. But I do want to point out at the same time, as I'm talking about this, that I have more recently published another book on the internet on the afterlife titled Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable. And here it is here. And I don't know why I went straight to the introduction. 
Okay, so that is it here. It is 368 pages of a large paperback of uh, six by nine, but you can get it in Kindle on your phone. And it, I've read the bestsellers and I'm reading this book myself and I find it more interesting and with far more thorough and effective answers than the bestseller I've read on this from a Christian viewpoint. And the reason it's hard to get a book going is because if you don't know, I didn't know much about how to get a book going, so I just put it up there. I didn't do any pre-advertising or anything like that. And uh, But I want people to be aware of that book. It's got a lot of references and links in it that go to specific places, for example, of YouTube videos, many. Uh, everything's highly evidence-based, but that's getting a bit off the topic. And so I just want to continue here with this message here. The first angel is a call to fear God that involves also worshiping God. And then after that, there is the angel that says Babylon, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, which is referring to the world system of democracy that once was pure in the United States, for example, and became a whore around the world. And then, of course, the third one is the angel that says, if any man worship the beast, because the beast system destroys this system called Babylon. We are living in the time when that angel is beginning to cry out more and more, which represents many people and certainly including myself, that are crying out for his people to return to the genuine fear of God. And I'm not going to go into detail here, and it is described in my book, God, Headship, and Body Invasion, in some measure, but not, not a lot either. But I do want to mention that the genuine fear of God involves a deep turning, a choice that results in the deep. It's a choice to turn from the depths of our heart in alignment with the conscience which everyone has, which innately knows that for there to be good, evil must be judged. The fear of God is the reciprocation of who God is in the integrity of his love that will not tolerate what is contrary to love. I'm talking about agape love, a love that is beyond feeling like the filial love and the soulish love that is always choosing the highest lasting good, freely always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Any lesser choice as such would obviously have a measure of corruption in it. This love is so pure that it is, as it were, a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love. This love does not contone anything that is contrary to this love of God. It is the opposite of corruption. It is, in fact, the destroyer of corruption. And that is the defensive aspect of the love of God, which is the holiness of his love. And from that indestructible foundation, springs forth the ultimate expression of that love, which is that there was always within the being of God from the infinite past, because beyond this time and space realm, there are many other dimensions. And I won't go into that. That's in my book on the afterlife that are far superior to this very inferior physical dimension. But in the infinite past, there was always within the being of God that quality to so love that he could become a perfect substitutionary atoning sacrifice without violating the integrity of his love, take judgment upon himself in order to allow what he has created, the creation and the creature and you, the choice to choose to enter a destiny where there is no corruption where there's all these pleasures of creative fellowship, 
so unique to you as an individual to allow your unique creativity to be expressed in fellowship towards God and the myriads of his creation with your fellow brothers and sisters and the myriads of many different kinds of angels and other creations, ever enlarging in creativity in your life that will go on forever and ever. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked, but the fear of God is these two aspects. It is the integrity of his love and out of that, that his love is so great that he condescended and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature. And the first aspect of this love is represented in nature and the negative symbol which represents an indestructible foundation and cutting off all corruption. And the other aspect is the represented in the plus symbol, which is also the symbol of the cross, which, by the way, was the last letter of the alphabet in the ancient Hebrew language and the languages surrounding that area going back 1500 B.C., 2000 B.C. and earlier. And that last letter meant sign or symbol. And so, so much for the atheists that try to remove the crosses. The cross was there from the beginning of time and meant a sign or symbol. But this is what the fear of God is. It is having an utter reverence and awe for who God is that brings us to undoneness when we reciprocate the holiness of God instead of becoming focused on the negative consequences of his holiness that requires judgment and severity in our own lives and in those around us. And so that like Cain, we begin to see God as an enigma, and the next thing you know, we have an idolatrous, monotheistic perception of God as some dictator, and we don't see his holiness as good. And so we believe we must appease him, because our heart is not really reciprocated that God is good in his severity of judgment, and that we are unworthy and guilty, and undone before him, because we have not, when you reciprocate the holiness of God, that is the integrity of his love. You are driven to the place of humility, which derives you to the place of honesty and transparency before God. And you're driven to the place of honesty, which drives you to the place of humility before God. And this is what is involved in the genuine fear of God, is that you enter into receiving that sword of light, that sharp two-edged sword, first of the holiness of God and then of the mercy of God. And you cannot know the mercy of God and reciprocate who God is in his love until you first reciprocate who he is in his holiness. But that is not what this message is about here. This is a message that involves us returning to a place where we become sensitized to whose presence we're in, in assembly as churches. And so I want to begin to go into what God is wanting in this new order in the body of Christ. In your local assemblies, God has a strategy, and I mention a strategy in this book. He doesn't want the church to be the way it is right now. It's very lukewarm and asleep. He's calling his people that are like a sleeping giant to wake up and become those that enter into an abundance of life a victorious life that will conquer their nation. This is the answer for conquering your nation. You're not going to find a political solution that will ultimately do this. This involves the intervention of God to turn a nation from such obvious impending destruction and judgment. What I'm sharing is the strategy that I believe is in fully alignment with the zeal of God for these last days to conquer your town, your city, your nation with the love of God, with the good news of his love that brings forth in that love such a manifestation of the glory of his presence. America will never be great unless it's in the, in the glory of God. I don't know what this is, but it's going. 
It will never be great unless it's in the glory of God. So it's making, it's bringing the glory of God down that is the answer. And I want to share with you that answer now. First of all, churches need to organize in your community, in your town, in your city to come together on some long weekend that could be planned for the future for three days of fasting and prayer. And if you're healthy enough, you can do an Esther fast, which is where you go without liquid or food for three days. I've done it a good number of times in my life. I don't know exactly how many times, not a whole lot, but at least three or more times. And I thought I was going to be feeling terrible and be, <coughs> I don't know why, but I was high the whole time. I was a little bit thirsty, but it wasn't that bad. And I was feeling really high. In fact, when I used to did do fasting with drinking water, I found that harder. I don't know why. I'm encouraging you here. If we can come together, I mean, why not give it all? We see our nation at stake, our loved ones at stake, with so many threats even on the lives of our own family. Shouldn't we give it all to seek God? Isn't he the source of deliverance and of life? Of course he is. It's not by our might or power. It's not by might nor by power, says the Lord, that this mountain shall be removed, but by my spirit. So may we be those that become filled with his spirit. And so God wants those three days of fasting and prayer. And that after that time, and it's not where you're going to have someone trying to organize that time of prayer. No, you're coming there for everyone to see. It's not to be organized. It's to be more conscious of Christ in our midst and to be praying out. Yes, there's probably times when everyone will pray quietly. And then one prays out here and another prays out there as they sense the Spirit prompting them. And everyone in a unity agrees. And we prevail in prayer and in intercession. Yes, maybe there's some songs and so on involved in that. But I've seen prayer meetings that become a bunch of songs. This is a time to turn with all our hearts to God. Not just do singing, but really turn and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and never go back to being the church the way it was in your local assembly. So I want to share about what God wants as far as a new order in the body of Christ. First of all, he's wanting his house to be not only a house of prayer, but a house of holiness. This is so important. It is involved with the genuine fear of God. His house of holiness means that we repent of the things that have hardened our hearts, that have caused a denominative mindset, and we might go to our brother and sister of another denomination and show them love in some measure. But there's kind of a distancing. God led me to do things. I don't like going to denominations, and the Lord told me to go to a particular Pentecostal denomination at one time. And I got to appreciate the riches of the stream of God's blessing and presence in that denominative shell. But was this uneasiness. Oh, yeah, I love you, brother, but you could tell there was that uneasiness. There wasn't that fervent love because you didn't fit into exactly the way they believed or they, their, uh, they wanted you to fit in. That all has to fall away. And part of that hardness that causes marriages to fall apart and so on is because of the loves of the world. God is calling his people to know an abundance of life that will cause these loves of the world to feel so shallow and meaningless that we will be in no way desiring it. 
because of what we've found that such a more greater and abundant life. Wherever your heart is, there is your treasure. If your treasure is in the things that are flirting and titillating temporal pleasures of enjoyment, they always leave you empty. They never satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is knowing the abundance of the life, the river of life that comes from God. And so he's calling us to repent of the gods of amusement. Many people in the United States and in the modern world spend hours watching sports. Am I saying it's wrong to watch sports or the hockey game or something? For No, I'm not here to stipulate some rule and put someone in bondage. What I'm saying is if you are hooked by that, like an alcoholic gets hooked and gets drunk all the time, and you spend hours with your emotions and your focus on those things, and you do not have anywhere near the same time in prayer, you are being robbed. You're, 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 that is the pride of life. The things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination in the sight of God. God has called us to redeem the time because the days as never before are evil. Doesn't it say in Isaiah that gross darkness would cover the earth in the last days and is that not what is happening now? And then it says, arise, shine, for the glory of God has come upon you. To arise and shine means that you cast off the grave clothes of death that would tend to be grasping onto you and trying to pull you away from this abundance of life and destiny that God has for you. And so he's calling you as an individual and as the body of Christ to arise and to shine and his glory will be seen upon you. It will fulfill John 17. So we need to repent of the gods of amusement and of pleasure and of idleness and of materialism that have taken up so much of our time to truly come in to knowing how God can take the way we have been made as an individual so unique and creative and use those creative talents that we enjoy in expressing our uniqueness and use them in a way that is fruitful, is redeeming the time to minister to others or whatever it is that God has gifted us with. He's calling us to love holiness. Do you know that it is holiness that makes a person whole on the inside? When you experience out of a life that is holy and pure and not being manipulated by the titillating baits of this world, there is a wholeness within your inner being that flows with an abundance of life. What does it say of Israel? They have hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Let us be those that repent so that the cracks in our soul are filled with the gold of his presence and out of those cracks he makes something even more creative and we become vessels under honor that allows for the overflow of this abundance of life, of joy and peace and the Holy Spirit. Above all of his love shed abroad in our hearts so that we love one another fervently. Yes, God is calling you and the church back to holiness. His spirit is crying. His spirit is jealous for you because he wants you to know such a destiny of abundance and of blessing in your life. But it means that we do not rend our garments, but we rend our heart before God. That we turn with all our heart and cry out to him and come out of the sleep that we are in. It says in the word of God, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you you, you don't know what you're missing. 
When God is jealous for you, heed his call. He's knocking at the door of the Laodicean church, and he's saying to your church, you're either going to become Laodicea, Laodicea, or you're going to become the church of Philadelphia. There's going to be no in-between in these last days, and there's going to be a separation. Those that are equating godliness with wealth and do not emphasize that the abundance of life and of riches with God is spiritual. Unconditional of circumstances. Yes, God may entrust some with lots of wealth like Abraham, but their pleasure isn't in those things. Those things are shallow to them. So they use their resources for those that are in need or for his kingdom to advance in some other ways because they don't find their pleasure in those things. When you have a deep union with God, those things are so shallow and boring. God has chosen the poor, rich, and heirs of the kingdom of God. Let us not forget that. He warns against the danger of wealth. Let us not be the church that has doctrines that deceive us, as the church of Laodicea, of which Christ by the Spirit said, you, knew, you say, I am rich and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. We need to say to God, I'd rather be judged now by you and chastened by you. I choose to let you be the potter over my life and go through trials and sufferings now that I might not be judged with the world. Now I want to share with you in your congregation, many churches have pre-service prayer meetings. And God is calling for you to forget about your pre-service prayer meetings. <laughs> what? Yeah. He wants your assemblies when you come together to come together and be the prayer meeting. That you start your church services on your faces and your knees before God in utter reverence and awe of whose presence you're in. And you begin your church services in prayer. But brother, our church service is at 10 in the morning and we only have an hour and a half. If we have the prayer meeting, we won't have any time for our program. Oh, really? Why in the world would you have your church service at 10 in the morning? The best possibility is around 2 o'clock in the afternoon so you can have a four-hour church service so people can have time to properly pre prepare for that meeting. Look at there's many older people I know personally that can't make it to the early morning church service because of infirmities in their body and so on. They don't have enough time to prepare. And there's families that get in a mad rush trying to get all their children ready by 10 in the morning. And then they got another service to go to in the night in some of these churches. Instead of having a time where you prepare properly to meet with God and to really spend quality time breaking through as a body into the presence of God. He's calling for his house to also be a house of prayer, not just a place where we live a holy life. Both are, of course, intertwined and synergistic. God is calling his people to become his house of prayer and to start your services in prayer Maybe at first you're just praying quietly to yourselves for about 10 minutes as a body. And then as the Spirit sense, one senses the Spirit rising in them to pray, they pray out. And everyone agrees and another one prays out. And you have a time of really crying out to God in prayer. And then out of that, the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow, maybe with one having a song that they sing out don't quench the spirit when he rises in you and you've got a seed thought and you sense you to sing it out, you just sing it out and God will cause it to be a beautiful song. And everyone rejoices and another gives a word and this one over here gives a word and they discover without knowing that all of the different words that are being given are confirmed. And I've been in a meeting 
and a church I went to in North Van where that happened a lot. And it was really amazing to see. And I still visit them once in a while. And I love them all very much. And I hope they never lose their first love, that they go for it more than ever before, that they get on fire for God. And I hope and pray with your church service that they will be on fire for God, that you'll cast off your denominational cloak. We want the fullness of the headship of Christ to inhabit the local assembly. We cannot limit anymore the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting the local assembly. He is calling for his people to wake up. There should be total liberty for each member in the body to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe after that time of prayer, you have a time of worship and of singing. But after that time of worship and singing, there should be allowed a time for each person to share. As the Spirit moves on them, they shouldn't have to ask permission to use the mic. Oh, maybe the leadership's worried about a mess. Don't worry about it. They didn't worry about it in Azusa Street. God took care of it. So one person is out a bit. They get humble. That's good. What God wants is a total facilitation of each member of the body to function. It says in the word of God that he so tempered the body together to give more abundant honor unto the part the lacks so that there should be no schism in the body. And what that basically means is that when there is liberty for each member in the body to totally express the gifts as the Spirit moves on them, as the wind of the Spirit blows upon the garden of God and brings forth the varied perfumes of beauty and glory unto his praise, that he will pour more abundant honor on the one that is not looked up to, that may be tended to look be looked down onto because they're a bit strange or whatever or not attractive, whereas the others that are very naturally charismatic and highly looked up to, God will allow them to be brought down like the mountains brought down and the valleys raised. We know that song. We know what it says in the word of God. For the valleys will be raised up and the mountains brought down and the crooked places made straight and the rough places smooth and then the glory of God will come into the midst of your assembly and it will break the darkness over your town and your city and your nation and bring deliverance and healing in the land. And that is what God wants. He is calling us to wake up and it is exciting to go all the way. It is exciting to decide, I'm not going to be anything less than an overcomer. I'm not going to be asleep anymore. I'm going to wake up to this occasion and enter into the destiny and inheritance that God has for me. You do not want to lose your crown. You do not want to lose your inheritance. So he's calling for there to be total liberty for each member of the body to function. And the fact is that we're so used to being passive and everything being done on the stage at the front that it might take special little meetings that the leadership can have where everyone can share for five minutes a sermon on a scripture or whatever they are led to share. In order to get out of that, passivity so that the gifts of God begin to be stirred up and function in the body. This is the way it was in Azusa Street and in the Welsh Revival, but except what now God is doing is far greater than Azusa Street and the Welsh Revival. What he is about to do is far greater because this is not going to be something where man's going to get in the way again with his denominative mindset or those that tend to be looked up to and become proud and they take away people and there's division. No, this is the hour where we 
are going to humble ourselves and allow ourselves to be baptized in such a love of God that we are knit together in this oneness that is described in John 17 and in Ephesians that we are knit together to comprehend with all saints the height and the breadth and the depth of the love of God, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And when that fullness comes into the body, it's like a glove, as was illustrated in the writings of Watchman Nee. I believe it was where I saw it, read this. It's like a hand going into the glove. Once that hand gets into that glove, that hand of God, into the body, there is power to move mountains because we are not gathering in our own names but in the name of Jesus and when we pray together we will see the strongholds of darkness broken but the body of Christ is being called in this hour as it says in Revelations 18 come out of her my people that ye be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues for her sins have reached unto heaven and he's calling us to come out in this hour and become also what he wants for this hour in each assembly across the nation of the United States and the nation of Canada and the nations of the world that are all on the verge of impending judgment and destruction. Will it have to take that to turn us to God or will we wake up now? Is it not a greater victory to know a victory in yet a time of prosperity that is fast fading, that we can be overcomers? Or does it have to be that we are so far from God that it takes judgment to turn us back to God? You know, in the end, I think, of this message, so I'm, I'm just basically sharing with you some of the things that are in my book titled God, Headship, and Body Invasion. And I'm going to share about my own circumstances because I want to rally people for this vision to go across the land with true revival. This cannot be done by just me. I don't even care if, you know, all I care about is that I'm part of this. I want to be part of something like this. If God can use me, that's fine. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. He's the only one that can open doors. And right now I feel before I go on to share my financial needs that I would really like to inspire you with a worship song as well that I picked up from a particular group. And I didn't plan this, actually. I might have it here, though. I think I see what might be it. I'm going to take a look and see if it is. Okay, I know that it's on here. I'm going to try to find it one sec here. It's on my website at loverealize.com. And it is good that I point out my website at loverealize.com. Hmm. I don't know what's going on here. Okay. Before I go to anything. Oh, there it goes. Okay. For some reason, it didn't load right away, but I will just hit enter here, and I will minimize myself as well, unless there's something going on fishy, of course. It normally loads instantly. Okay, so um, I'm going to the worship songs, and we're going to play a worship song. I think it's on the fourth section through here, so we'll just quickly go there to the fourth. Um, that's the third. I think it's on the fourth one. Okay, let's just see if I can find this worship song quickly. Um, I should minimize myself. Um, I don't know. I'll go to the next page too. I'm just trying to find a song. Um, you know, it'd be faster to go into Google and find it, or into YouTube and find it. I'm just going to do that quickly here, one sec. This won't take long in this section here. Okay. I'm just going to hit on this. Oh, there it is. Oh, not. Hit the back button. How did that happen? Okay. 
this is the song we're going to play. Okay? check and make sure everything's okay here it is um, <clears throat> so I want to just share with you at the end of this video my present situation um, there's a number of things that have happened in my life I 
I don't know if I'm going to put be able to, you know, put something like this up on Give Send Go, possibly be, because I'm in a situation where actually, just due to a lack of wisdom in the past, and out of my zeal to pray and seek God, I ended up getting in the debt. And actually, I shouldn't be in debt because I looked after my mother for 21 months in her rancher, and I had to usually get up around 2 and then 4 in the morning, and there was usually quite a mess to clean up, and it was very difficult, and I did that for 21 months, loved my mother very much, and then after that, I visited her at least twice a week in the care home nearby where I live here. And that was going on for another four years, I think, or so. I don't know. I forget all the details. But anyhow, um, I was doing business on the Internet with domain names, trying to buy domain names and sell them. And, uh, and also, I set up some... Different, I learned a lot about setting up stores and then I realized, hey, I, I'm not going to see what happened is COVID came along and then I noticed that some of the people in the forum were saying these stores they set up that I'd paid all this money for this course and everything, uh, for example, and they were having hardly any hours of sleep because these products weren't coming through because they were all coming from China and I thought, I don't want anything to do with all that stuff. And so there's this, this kind of thing. There was domain names, businesses I was doing on the internet, then the car engine breaks down, things like, all of this added up over time. And now the debt is, because it's accumulating interest and I can't pay these credit cards, it's $78,000. So if I have to go bankrupt, I suppose so. But I shouldn't be in this situation because uh, when, my when, when I was living in, looking after mom, I'm, of course I left my place here for that time where I looked after her and would just visit my place, but when I was looking after mom, um, well, what happened is I would ask her every once in a while to write a check out because I was out of money, and of course she was loving, she was totally conscious of what she was doing, and she would sign the check, and, and of course my two brothers and my sisters, their name was on that bank account as well as mine. And so when they found out that I did this, they were really angry with me. They're not, yeah, well, not, not all of them was at the same degree of anger, but they held a meeting with me and so on. And, and I felt so condemned that I was not an example to them. I was just devastated. And at that time, I also got cancer, which was chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And so they didn't have the drug at, at that time. And so I was really feeling not very healthy. You know, like I was feeling really, my energy was way down, my hemoglobin, everything. And it was really bad. I wasn't myself on top of it because I got cancer possibly because of all the work I was doing to help mom. But I also did use a, one of those things for killing weeds. I forget the name of it now. That could have been a factor, but... Nevertheless, what happened was um, they, um, I let them, I didn't want to fight them. I said, well, Lord, I want to glorify your name. Surely you'll provide my needs. And, and so I let them take away my power of attorney. And then my, they went, my youngest brother, I suppose, was the main one that decided. They only gave, they didn't give me what was rightfully mine. Yeah, they needed to, I took about, at the most, including all the little things, once in a while getting gas from them and all that, the most 44000 Anyhow, that's what it shows in my bank account. Um, so they penalized me, you know, they should have penalized me, let's say, for 50000 And so they only gave me, the house sold for $773,000. Uh, I only got 50000 and yeah, they penalized me for 50, 50, 50, fine. But if you divide that up, 773,000 by four, and they only give me 50,000, 
It ends up that I should have got another 93,000. It was rightfully mine, but they took it onto themselves. So um, that is, uh, I shouldn't be in debt right now, but I am. And um, so I'm asked, I'm, if you go to my site at loverealize.com, I do have a place there where you can contribute, but it's not a nonprofit. On top of all of this, I have been helping a lady that I ran across years ago that was in real need that I met in a meeting. She wasn't someone I fell in love with or anything like that. There was a measure of attraction to her, but it wasn't, you know, I could tell she was a bit out of it mentally. But uh, over time, uh, you know, I let her, I was paying for her to have a cell phone for probably now about 10 years. And then she would screw up her phone. I had to pay for the phone over and over. So all of that was happening and uh, still, and then her mental condition started getting worse in the last while. And, you know, I almost lost my place because she went and didn't give a notice. Of, I told her not to give a notice of rent and she did. And then she would have nowhere to go and she didn't realize the rent had become impossible. It had gone up so high. So I brought her to my place and that was a difficult situation because, you know, I had a separate room. Yeah, I wasn't living immorally with her or anything. I did have a few times where there was a bit of compromise, but nothing, you know, really like gross sin. And I did repent of that in my relationship with her. But I'm just being honest. Um, but what's happened is it's her. now she's kind of like when she was here, I, I never did ask her for money. I just said to her, well, if you want to help me out, course it would be appreciated but you know I never said I said you don't have to but you can if you want and she saw that they were gonna the stratus society here was gonna kick me out because they only I didn't know at first that they only allow a person within a 12-month period only 30 days here and here she's way beyond that so they're, they're getting ready to kick me out and I'm it was a terrible trial because I could I'm thinking she's got a bad hip she can hardly walk she's got all these problems and She's going to be thrown out in the cold. And so it was a very, God did a miracle and made a way where there was no way where these people in a housing society nearby said, there's no way she will get in here because of this list. And somehow they changed their mind at the last moment when I told them my circumstances with her and they let her in. But now her mind's going in certain ways and with memory and so on. And so what's happened is she started screaming at the top of her voice here and telling me that I stole $10,000 from her. I never did that. What happened is she would give me voluntarily some money here, and sometimes she'd give me 1000 bucks, and I said, that's too much, and I would give her back 200 I said, the most I'll ever take is 800 So that's all that happened over that six-month period when she was here. But now she's coming and saying all kinds of... It's a kind of a schizophrenia where she believes things that aren't real. Things have become distorted beyond what is real. And then right in front of this lady here, she's screaming and yelling at me in front of my neighbors and everything. They can all hear it. Oh, you stole $10,000 from me and all this stuff. It's totally false. And um, I spent all kinds of money to help her with her teeth, including hormone therapy to get her at a younger age and I probably shouldn't have gone to that trouble too, but she was suffering so much uh, with other health issues uh, that I spent, I think it was four checks of four, 400 something I had to do. So all of this and over a period of years, and now she's accusing me of being a thief and all of this stuff, which is false, totally false. And, and I think the rumor could have spread to the church, but I'm not going to fight it because God will fight my battle. So I know I'm in the truth and that I've only had a good heart towards her. And then, you know, after she does all this and screams and yells at me and falsely accuses me, I've caught her stealing her things. And then, so, you know, all I can say is, then she comes over the next day like nothing happened as my friend. And there's no one to help her, so she wants me to help her with things still, like taking, bringing water to her. But it's a difficult situation. And... Um, I believe God wants me to show mercy to the feeble-minded. So that's my circumstances. And I do, I do ask that, like she really needs a hip replacement, but she's allergic to all metals, so she can't get a hip replacement. 
So her hip is highly degenerated now. And uh, there is someone in the States, in Seattle, that has these special hips that they could put in that they're so good, they take them out of the people when they die and still use them. Um, so she needs money too, but, you know, she's got some real serious problems with her mind and with her memory. So that's another thing going on. That's my circumstances. I'm not worried. I'm going on. This message is just a call for people to rally around this vision and to see all of these things come to pass. That we would, as the body of Christ, wake up and become all that God's called us to become. God will provide my needs. I don't know how he will do it. But I have two websites. I got one, loverealize.com, which I was briefly at here and showed you. And the other one is ultimatemeaning.com, which is an evangelistic site. But it's the site loverealize.com that does have a link where you can uh, contribute if you want. Um, and you're free to phone me too, but I'm going to give you a number on my home line, which is not in the white pages, which is a business ring. And so that number is 604 is the area code, and it's 539-1621. That's 604-539-1621. Because I want to mobilize with people to begin to see if we can you know, cause this town where I'm in to come together and seek God like this, but not just here, right across the nation of Canada and right across the nation of the United States. I just want to rally together with people to see this come to pass. And so God bless you all. Thank you for listening to my cry and the cry of the Spirit of God for you to come forth into victory and abundance of life. God bless you all. Thank <laughs> you.